Okay, ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to start the board meeting. And we are moving into open session, and I'd like to call the roll. Trustee Lawrence? Here. Trustee DeVries? <coughs> Trustee Hernandez is absent. Uh -huh. Trustee Banerjee? Here. Trustee Jensen? Here. Trustee Lugianani? Here. Trustee Varney will be absent today, and Trustee Zorthian? Here. We have a quorum. Okay, great. Uh, do we have any public comment? Anyone need to address the board at this time? All right. Then I will move into uh, the board education piece and turn it over to our CEO. Great. Thank you. Uh, good afternoon, trustees. Uh, great to see you all again, as usual. Um, so today we, we, we actually made a, a bit of a game time decision after uh, last week's finance committee. Um, uh, this, uh, if you recall, this week's um, uh, or this month's board education was supposed to be on population health. Uh, we've asked to postpone that. We, we still intend to do it. Uh, we are um, uh, busily making some um, strides internally at looking at some resources and uh, skills and capabilities we need as we think about how we're going to sort of frame our foray into the the. the uh, uh, continue foray into the space of population health and uh, movement towards uh, uh, looking at whole person care and things around the waiver, mm -hmm. as well as uh, capitation and other things. So we'll talk more about that. Uh, but we figured, or, or, and, and uh, we'd like to use today's session to talk to the uh, trustees a little bit more about the budget. Uh, this is next year's budget as it's developing. Uh, so as you know, we talked, uh, um, uh, the board and, and the leadership, about ways in which to try to take a different tack with the budget uh, uh, from last year. And uh, one of the things that we're attempting to do today is to give you a window into the capital uh, budget part of the budget planning process. Uh, and so to bring it out of the finance committee and bring it up to the board is sooner rather than later to just sort of describe the process by which we look at uh, what are some of the capital needs for the organization, uh, sort of the considerations we make with respect to how much of that we can take on, what are the sort of criteria that we use to make decisions around uh, what um, uh, capital priorities we, we uh, would like to pursue, whether it's in IT or whether it's in facilities or whether it's in uh, equipment. Uh, so we wanted to just give you a little window into that uh, process uh, and then an opportunity, obviously, to see this as it's forming uh, mm -hmm. with the caveat that it is indeed still forming. And so any of your, your thoughts um, uh, and perspectives, uh, uh, we very much welcome. Uh, but uh, David will start off with a few slides that sort of uh, lay the groundwork for uh, how we approach this. Um, uh, and then uh, we have uh, a few other members of the leadership team, uh, Dave Warmouth and Dave Gravener. This is the David show today. Uh, John Chapman was going to present, uh, but he had a conflict, and so David uh, Warmouth is going to, or well, maybe we'll be doing this by committee, but I think Dave Warmouth will be addressing some of the points that John Chapman had in the presentation today as well. So so with that, I'd like to turn it over to David, and, and we'll go through that, and, and hopefully this will uh, both be informative today, but certainly inform you as we get through the latter part of the budget process, and you see this with the operating budget, and it won't be the first time you've seen it. Okay. Thank you. Uh, <clears throat> thank you very much, Del Vecchio. Um, <clears throat> we're very here to, uh, very happy to be here to talk about capital. Um, <clears throat> this is meant to be educational and a good discussion, so inter interrupt me anytime. Um, the presentation itself was sort of built around uh, something I did for our managers a couple of weeks ago at a, at a lead conference that was well received, and I'm trying to mix, <clears throat> you know, um, 
some education, some explanation of terms, uh, together with the substance of the meeting, which is uh, not me, uh, which is capital planning. <clears throat> um, so on the first slide, uh, no margin, no mission. So this is, uh, for anybody who's been around a Catholic health system, this, the, the nuns were famous for doing this, and it, it really does express the, the issue because there's always this, um, <clears throat> you know, concern with, gee, you know, we're, we're a safety net organization. We're here to help the community, and, and all that's true. But um, <clears throat> the, the fact is unless we generate cash, we really don't, we can't do some of the things that we want and need to do for the community. So there's always this balance. <clears throat> and, and the reason we do um, this financial and capital planning uh, process is to, to look into the future and to figure out, you know, will we be able to come up with the cash that we need to do things? Now, <clears throat> organizations need cash for several different reasons. They have to pay the, the bills month to month, payroll vendors. Um, also, um, we're a capital-intensive business. We have a lot of receivables, and to the extent that um, receivables ex exceed payables, that consumes cash because we don't get paid as quickly as we have to pay other people. That's called working capital. Um, <clears throat> in some cases, we have to make debt payments, reduce debt payments, and then uh, the other thing is capital expenditures, which are things like buying um, new equipment, <clears throat> installing new technology, um, upgrading facilities, things like that. And those are called capital expenditures, and that's really what we're talking about tonight is capital expenditures. <clears throat> and um, a positive margin is required to make that happen. Okay, so let's talk about some definitions. <clears throat> okay, you, you keep hearing that me talk about this term EBITDA, which is earnings before interest depreciation and amortization. Or, really, it, it's, it's the amount of cash that the organization generates um, from operations after we pay our bills. So if we generate $100 in cash revenue this month, pay $95 for our, to our employees and vendors, we have $5 left over <clears throat> to do something with. That's called free cash flow. Okay. Um, and I was giving, um, uh, before we started, I was giving uh, Michelle uh, a little analogy uh, about the difference between that and liquidity. So if you, if you um, imagine um, <clears throat> a bucket of water, okay, a bucket of water is liquidity. We can choose to use that water to water the geraniums or the roses uh, or do some other things with it. We have choices, and maybe there's a spigot. Okay, and the spigot is um, capital expenditures. But <clears throat> you got to fill the bucket up. And the, if you got a hose and you're pouring water into the bucket, that's free cash flow, okay? And then the water that's accumulating is called is liquidity. That's the amount of cash that we have that we can do things with. Um, <clears throat> so um, there, there are lots of demands on the use of that cash. One I mentioned is working capital, which is this difference between um, current assets and current liabilities. And to the extent that there's a difference, that essentially consumes cash. Right now, it's consumed about $120 million, where if those were the same, we'd have $120, more, $120 million more in the bank right now. Um, <clears throat> we mentioned capital expenditures. We'll be talking about that. Um, now, why, what, makes, what makes capital expenditure? What, what is that exactly? So <clears throat> when we spend money to do something, like if we make a payroll, okay, every two weeks we pay payroll, okay, that's not 
that's not capital because the, that benefited essentially two weeks of time. Okay, most of the um, most of the um, supplies that we purchase get used very quickly, so those aren't considered capital. But if we do something, if we buy something that's going to last for more than a year, and typically three years or more, um, <clears throat> then that becomes a capital expenditure, meaning it does not directly hit the income statement. Okay, Rather, what we do is we spread that out to the income statement over time through something called depreciation, which is an accounting entry. Okay, But so even though we've spent the cash up front, it doesn't immediately hit the income statement. But we do track it on the statement of cash flow and the balance sheet, and it's called a capital expenditure. So beds, um, <clears throat> facility upgrades, information technology, um, imaging systems, things like that, CTs, MRIs, those are capital expenditures. Yes? Does it hit the income statement because there's a value to it? Is, why, did, you said it hit, why does it hit the income? You've purchased... Okay, when, when we spend money, we have to... It reduces cash because we spent money, and we have to say, well, what is that? And it can be really one of two things. It could be several, but primarily it's either an expense right. or it's some type of capital outlay. It uh -huh. could be like a deposit, too, which is another smaller thing. But typically it's either an expense or capital, and we have to make a determination which one it is. Because if it's capital, it doesn't affect our income statement. So like right now... So, so you buy an MRI machine, yes. and it, it's going to last you over a period of time, and you're depreciating yes, it, so et say, say it's $5 million, and it's going to last us five years. Okay. Do, you said it goes to the income statement. I didn't understand that. <clears throat> so what we it do, we'll take, we'll take the $5 million and we'll put it on the balance sheet and say that's worth $5 million. Right. And then every year, what we'll do is we will depreciate a $1 million. We'll make an entry saying depreciate this, which means expense, a million dollars. So now instead of having one big $5 million hit to the income statement, we have five $1 million hits to the income statement. <clears throat> so you just sort of spread it out over time. It's a deduction from the income statement. Yes, it is. Yeah. Got it. Okay. So that's why depreciation. That's why you add it back to get free cash flow because depreciation, the cash is already gone. It's not a cash outlay. Right. Yeah. It is an expense. Right. Sense. Yeah, so one of the things that's going on right now is our weekly um, vendor payments have gone up. They're usually like, you know, four or five million dollars per week. It just popped up to eight million. So, well, why is that happening? Well, we're opening a new hospital. And guess what? <clears throat> the facilities team is coming in and say, hey, you know, we're going to go through inspection. We've got to deal with this and this and this and this and this. And so, so what we need to do in accounting is look at that and say, well, are those expenses or are those investments? Mm -hmm. Should they be capitalized? Not don't, don't hit the income statement because otherwise we'll have this huge hit in um, February and March on the income statement. So. the same amount of money is going out the <clears throat> Exactly, yes. Yeah. And so there's, there's these principles of accounting, and, and one of them is, you know, the, I mean, the whole point of it is to give boards good information. And if I'm if we're coming in and, and just saying, well, you know, we lost five million dollars this month because we happen to open a new hospital, that's not really that's not really true because that five million is going to benefit us for probably the next thirty years. I mean, some of these things are really long term, um, you know, items. So yeah, so we try to smooth things out, make it be meaningful, so you can understand what's really going on. So 
is the decision to put it on the income statement or into capital outlay, is, is there a rule related to that? Is that the, the auditing issues or the... Yes. There, so it's there, not a subjective no. decision? No. There, it's, it's embedded in what's called generally acceptable accounting principles, okay. which okay. we all have to follow. Okay. And then it does get audited so that you get an independent opinion on how we treated things. Okay. 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 And, yeah. um, this is great. This is fabulous. Um, I was going to say, there's all sorts of, like, you know, little games and cute things you can do, but, I mean, the, the whole point of, you know, this is to try to represent the, you know, the income statement, the balance sheet in a way that is fair and understandable so that we can all make good, understand what's yeah. going on in the business and make good business decisions. And that's the objective of all of this. Right. So. Okay. Now, a couple of things. Debt reduction. <clears throat> so debt would be another, another one of those spigots where we have water going out to water the roses. This one just happens to be debt reduction. Now, equity is different. Equity is on the balance sheet. <clears throat> and um, essentially what equity determines is whether we can borrow more money. So whereas EBITDA is generating cash from operations, uh, equity can help us borrow money, bring, bring more cash in, but not through operations, but through borrowing activities. Okay, So you have all these sources of cash coming in, and then we have to decide how to spend it. All right? Okay. All right, now just a note on forecasting. So a lot of the stuff we're doing now is called a forecast, which means we're making an estimate. Yes? Does my interruption bother? Not at all. Are you sure? Yeah. Uh, in, a, in, a public, in a public system, a county system, mm -hmm. the, the equity issue, go into that a little bit more and how the relationship is between a private <clears throat> versus a county system and the equity. Like I know yeah. San Leandro is is part of our the hospital's equity, but yeah. so will you sure. do a little okay, more? Okay, so the, the first difference is that, that we are not exactly a public entity. We are actually separate from the county. We're a health authority, so it's similar. But the primary difference is we have a balance sheet. Most public organizations do not. Their, their balance sheet information is embedded into the county as a whole. And the county serves as the backstop, the safety net <clears throat> for the operations of the, the hospitals that are parts of the county. We are actually a step removed, so we have our own balance sheet. We have our own set of books. We get audited, uh, which you can't. If you don't have a balance sheet, you can't be audited. So, and to a great extent, we do not have a safety net behind us. So, uh, in the instance of San Leandro, uh, when San Leandro came on, and it was actually gifted to us, that was a contribution from another health system, um, <clears throat> we acquired title to the real property, the building and the land. Okay, that was the asset. In, in, in um, you know, I think I talked before that the, the uh, equation for the balance sheet is assets equal liabilities plus equity. So if you get an asset, you've got to get something on this side. And what we got was equity. So the value of that hospital added to the equity of Alameda Health System and that balanced it out. Okay? All right. So um, with regard to that, Highland is not on our balance sheet. Is that right? Um, that's lar largely correct, yes. 
And Alameda is not on our balance sheet. That's correct. Yeah. And the clinics, so, but John George is and... No, John George? Uh, John George is not. And Fairmont is not. Is No, I think the only thing we have is <clears throat> San Leandro and one of the, uh, n yeah, Newark, yeah. The clinics. Right. Yeah. Uh, is, is, that's, that's just, uh, just leased, yeah. Yeah, yeah. okay. Okay. Now, we would own the tenant improvements. We would own the equipment. You know, we, I believe we own the equipment in Alameda Hospital, and those are all assets. And just, to, I, I didn't actually put this in the presentation, but I had it in here. I'm going to jump ahead. Okay, this is what we own. We own net value, book value, uh, 77.5 million of stuff. Land, facilities and equipment, equi movable equipment, information technology. That's what we actually own. And that, on the other side, is equity. Because we've, we've, yes. Yes, it's just depreciation. <clears throat> yeah. Okay. Okay. As I'm looking at this, not that I don't want to talk about it here, but as I'm looking at it, yeah, I'll, I'll kind of look at changes and like big jumps. You might say, "Gee, that that seems somehow out of the ordinary." Maybe I'm curious about mm -hmm. that. Like the very first line. We'll get to this in finance committee. Why did that double? I don't know. We'll find out. Okay. Yeah, that, that, what that is, it's actually a clearing account. So when we buy things, um, <clears throat> maybe we're not completely done. We stick it in that account before we know, before we decide exactly where to go. So it just means that they're a little behind in, in clearing that stuff out. So, okay, that's, that's all it is. And you notice that land is the same because land does not depreciate. Right, so so it it does become more valuable generally, but from an accounting standpoint, we don't adjust for market. We leave it at what we what we acquired it at. It's called book value. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So in some respects, we would be then really understanding uh, understating the actual value of the organization. Well, how does that affect the equity then? Uh, equity would be understated as well. And many organizations are in that position. They have relatively low equity. But if you look at the uh, real assets they own, land, it's quite valuable. Yeah, and, so. and there are specific accounting rules around yeah. all of that as well. Yeah. So but, when you borrow, how does that... How does um, that <clears throat> when you, you borrow, you, there's a, uh, an appraisal to find out the real value of the underlying asset. And you can borrow against that. Okay. Oh, that's quite all right. Yeah. Okay. So forecasting. I just want to make sure that everybody understands that a lot of the stuff we're going to be giving you tonight is a forecast. It's a projection. It's an estimate. Uh, it's useful because it allows us to say, well, if this happened, you know, this is what we could do. So you can plan, but it's not a guarantee. It's not a representation that this is actually going to happen. Um, in fact, forecasts almost never work out exactly as, as, as uh, we think. Uh, and the other thing is that when we're talking about these capital projects tonight, we're not talking about actually approving them. We're talking about establishing intent to do them. Trauma team to the ER, we have a level two trauma. ETA is four minutes. Trauma team to the ER, we have a level two trauma. ETA is four minutes. Trauma team to the ER, we have a level two trauma. ETA is four minutes. And when we get ready to actually do them, we'll bring back the 
the project analysis to you and say, okay, now we're ready to do, you know, John George or Sandlander or something, and then you can make a make a decision. You say, okay, well, I, I know we we're planning to do that, and now, you know, we get to see what you guys are actually uh, planning to do, so or asking us to approve. Okay, now <clears throat> a big question is, why should we have a five percent EBITDA margin? Uh, and again, for us, we have about 900 million, or we'll have about 900 million of revenue next year. That means we would generate 5% of that, or 45 million dollars, that could be spent on debt service, uh, capital expenditures, whatever. Okay? It's really a balance. There's no magic answer. Um, I, I can show you, and I will show you what other systems are doing. Uh, I can tell you that the um, median for Moody's rated triple B credits is about eight to 10%. Um, but it really depends on a balance between what can this organization re realistically operate at and what performance level is necessary to provide the cash to do things we wanna do. So, and this is just math, but at 5%, we can spend about $30 million next year. If we can go to 6%, we could spend 39 If we can only do 4%, it's 21 So that's the, that's the tug of war. Yes, Joe? And when you say spend, define that. I mean, outside of our operating expenses, outside yeah. of our, yeah. so that's for like capital expenses. Spend on capital, capital, capital expenditure Sorry. items, IT, equipment, facilities. Yeah. Hmm? And uh, no, that's outside. outside. Yeah, I'll show it to you. <clears throat> okay, so first thing is, well, what does everybody else do? Now, this is actually from last year's budget presentation. <clears throat> so we were at, this is where we were when we were doing last year's budget, saying we we're, we're at 1.2. We want a target to be at 5 this year. Now, we're currently at 3, which is down in this range. But we, we have a potential of getting closer to 5 by the time we end the end of the year. So we... You know, we're doing, okay, we made a big improvement from where we were. But if you look at other public hospitals, San Francisco, San Mateo, now these are part of the county, so it's a little different. These are, these are safety net hospitals with an actual safety net, which we don't have. Okay, San Joaquin General's at 3.9, Children's Oakland, 5.7. Now they were, they were independent, and they're now part of UCSF, but they were independent at the time, and they were generating 5.7. Santa Clara Valley is closer to seven. Moody's BAA medians was 7.7 .7 in that year. Okay? So it can be done. The question is, can we do it? Yes. And on that, so you know, I think these are, 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 the, uh, are, are, the, are the figures for all the other hospitals, are they points in time margins or are they is this what they've been generating over long periods of time because I think what the, these we're, were for the the most recent fiscal okay. year that was reported in the uh, OSHPD database okay and all of the all of these organizations are required to keep their books this exact yeah. same way yeah. and to submit all the information to the state so we can get everybody's and compare ourselves because okay. here's here's what I was getting at is I think what we need to do I think what we need to do is be hitting around 5% or better consistently, you know, year after year after year. Um, what I'm not sure about is, I think what would be interesting is to see examples of hospital systems that have done, 
have produced that kind of consistent level of yeah. uh, of uh, margin and or performance, and uh, and and that's kind of who we probably want to look to as our operating yeah. models. And yes. it, and my experience says that you know hospital systems have good years and bad years, and it, it tends to be fairly variable. Um, but. Uh, so, so I'm not. I'm not. I'm not criticizing some, some that. Some systems do yeah. adapt and maintain yeah. uh, good performance overall. They they adapt yeah. to whatever's happening. Mm -hmm. And so if you go back to the bucket analogy, they're standing there for a period of years, pouring water in the bucket. Pretty soon it gets full. Yeah. So they have a lot of capacity to yeah. do things. Yeah. But you Kaiser's know, if you don't, if, exactly. Yeah. yeah. They have billions of dollars. Yeah. Um, so anyway, that's but but if we have variable performance, then it becomes much harder to to plan, and we have to kind of stop and go on because sure. uh, some of these projects take you know multiple years. Yeah, and if you've got you know an uncertain you know um, cash flow, then it becomes tenuous. Right, it's so, very yeah. hard. So anyway, so I think yeah. probably for future analysis is you know, what are what are the systems that are consistently doing that, and right. what are the financial characteristics and operating cash yeah. characteristics okay. of those, yeah. so that we can start thinking about that. Right. Good. Okay. Now, okay, so. Real, real quick. Sorry. So, um, so at 5%, we have 30 million available for capital, which is why I think last week, uh, closer? Really? Okay. Oh, okay, so uh, in in the in the budget report last week, you're estimating 30 million available for capital next year. Mm -hmm. um, I think you'd said you think we need more like 60. Uh, it's really all relative because yeah. last year we were negative 1.2, which means we had how much available for capital? Um, um, yeah, well, we 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 targeted 5% this year and we planned on 28. In prior years, I mean, we actually spent very little because. We didn't have the availability. It was just really spending on level one type things, which are life safety and and right. uh, regulatory issues that you know. And, were, and you know, unfortunately, the equipment wears out, and it becomes you know you essentially cannibalize the organization when you don't fund these needs. Right. And so I think during our upcoming budget conversation about our capital needs, yeah. I, I think seeing what the impact that these items that we need to purchase have on the organization, such mm -hmm. as the, the better MRI, which affects our health, you know, our, our ability to detect mm -hmm. things, which affects our, our competitive edge. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that all needs to be incorporated into the whole conversation. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Okay. That's okay. Okay. Um, so one question is, well, is it really realistic for us to achieve a 5% EBITDA margin? As I said, we're about 3% right now. We think we're getting better. We'll be closer to it by uh, end of the year. But <clears throat> we have to give raises. We have um, all kinds of stuff going on. But these are some of the considerations that your management team is looking at. Uh, first is um, our over overall level of patient um, patient activity. Uh, we know that we have unmet demand right now. We have waiting lists to get into our clinics. That is largely within our own control. So if we can find a way to break that logjam, we'll get more patients in. That will generate revenue in and of itself, but it will, it will theoretically um, result in more referrals into um, the hospitals. Okay. Uh, we have anecdotal information that our own primary care physicians are referring patients uh, across the bay because they some of these patients can't can't afford to wait 40 days to see a specialist okay um, 
necessarily an abundance of capacity for us to handle all of these. Things. There are some Um, uh, there are some operational improvements that we will always be targeting that we can do that will help us to address some of these things. Some of these things are a capacity issue, so we need to right-size the organization in terms of recruiting additional either physicians or um, um, uh, advanced practice providers, or it could be a situation where um, uh, clinic hours need to be expanded. We look at other sorts of other sorts of things, and there's sort of gradations of degree of complexity around that. So, so I just want to be clear that when we talk about this, you know, uh, the next thing he's going to talk about is revenue yield. Um, uh, that's the yield. So that, that means that some of these things to achieve this uh, EBITDA margin mean we have to invest in order to get more, uh, not necessarily that it's just a slam dunk that we're just waiting to, to uh, um, you know, access or, or uh, address and materialize. But mm -hmm. just wanted to kind of make that, that point. Right. And, and on the revenue, we've, we've probably captured about two-thirds of what we can do, we have maybe another third to go, which is some, but it's it's not the opportunity it was a year ago. So we're going to have to now look more toward expense management. Um, uh, supplemental revenues, you know, we have done very well in those negotiations. Uh, we have the opportunity to earn relatively well over the next five years. Um, we're not sure exactly what's going to happen after those five years, but we have time to time to work on that. Um, in the area of expenses, we are aware of cost reduction opportunities. Um, looks like we have success on uh, productivity management at uh, nursing at Highland. That potentially could be expanded through the system. We're looking at purchase services, consulting, organizational design issues. You know, there, there are opportunities there. Um, and we have this opportunity to shift the economic model to one uh, where it's capitation, where we essentially fix our revenue and then to the extent that we can improve care coordination and utilization goes down, we can actually benefit, uh, benefit from that. Uh, and then we have some um, you know, potential gains that are not in the plan right now. One is this ACERA issue, which could be worth approximately $8 million per year. We're pursuing that with ACERA. And uh, another is this um, capital cost reimbursement where neither the county or the um, hospital is getting the benefit of the depreciation on the new tower uh, because of the way Medi-Cal regulations currently apply to us. We need to address that issue, and if we can, that could be worth, you know, perhaps $12 million a year. So there are a couple of opportunities to significantly improve the performance of the organization. Okay. Actually, so would it be fair to, um, for, for us to all take, take the slide and tuck it in our jacket pocket and when we come back for the budget say, hey, what are you doing about all this stuff? Because yeah, if absolutely. you're going to hit a 5% margin, then you said this is what's going to get us there. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. Okay. So will be the, the drivers for what sorts of things. Okay. The so this is what you guys are all thinking about in terms of yeah. getting there. So yeah. um, you don't want to hear about, so not the tiddlywinks budget or the pencil budget, this stuff. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Right, right. Okay. Okay. I don't know what the okay. I don't either. There's a place for tiddlywinks. Right, but but let's now draw a distinction between the budget, which is, you know, a real near-term plan, and what we're talking about tonight, which is sort of a long-term model about, well, what do we need to do to make all this work? So this is what this is. This is an actual financial plan. It's highly summarized, but it has all of the elements of it. <clears throat> and the way this works, it says, okay, here we are in 2016. <clears throat> we have... 
about 875 million of revenue, and we're going to have about a 3% EBITDA margin generating 26 million. And the way we intend to spend that is, first thing, new, new to the forecast, is I'm, I, I'm adding an element that you haven't seen before because I was worried that it would be um, too confusing for me. Um, so um, the first thing is um, working capital. Sorry. Uh, and what happens here is um, when we reduce receivables, receivables turn into cash, and it gives us actually more cash than we would have had otherwise. And that's what's happening this year, is in addition to the opera operating cash we generate, we're actually going to pick up $20 million. Now, over time, that runs out because you can only get receivables down so low. We're going to spend about 17.7 on debt. We're going to get some contributions from the HS, HS Foundation, about $3 million, perhaps more. And then we intend to spend about $25.5 million on capital. So we're going to end up with six. So this is sort of what's actually happening right now. Now, the, the forecasting part of this is saying, well, what do, we, what, what do we want to have happen through the next four years? So the first thing we said is, you know, we'd like to improve the margin to 5%. And assuming we get a 3% growth in revenues, which is what this is, and we keep stepping that up, 5, 6, 7, 8, then this is the amount of free cash we'll generate, or about $272 million. Then we said, okay, we're going to pick up a little bit in working capital, maybe more, still pay this amount of debt. And then we have something, another thing that's new here, which is this. Now, this is something that was just negotiated in the permanent agreement. So the old permanent agreement said, um, we're going we're gonna to give the county $7 million a year starting in 2019, and they're going to use it to do whatever. The new agreement says that $7 million is going to go into a designated capital fund, and we can ask for it back to use for capital. So that's a pickup. Okay, that's a gain. That wasn't there before. That's $14 million there, $7 million a year that comes back. Uh, and then we have, uh, we still have $3 million a year from the, uh, primarily the AHS Foundation, which is a plus. Could be more. Uh, we'll talk about that, you know, perhaps a little tonight, maybe uh, certainly next finance committee. Uh, and then we have our recommended capital plan, $30 million, 35, 40, 45, or about 175 million, including this year, or not counting that, 150 million over this period for four years. And then notice this. So even with that, there's a little bit left. And one question is, well, why would you do that? Well, one reason is this is a forecast. Okay, so if we were to do this exactly as planned and we had that extra money, that would tend to pay down the net negative balance a little bit more, which is to us, liquidity, because we can borrow. It's money that we can borrow from the county to do things. So we can get down, our, down the road next year and say, well, we did pretty well. Maybe, maybe instead of spending $35 million, we can spend $40 million. And maybe over here we could spend 50 and maybe 55 we, we can make those decisions when we get to them. But it's not a bad idea to have a little bit of cushion in the balance sheet, because or we can just leave it on the balance sheet and improve the balance sheet and improve the credit worthiness of the organization. Okay, so that is the current long-term financial plan, which, of course, is subject to being revised and debated and anything we want to it. But that's, that's kind of a balanced plan at this point. Any questions so far? Okay. 
All right. Yes. The question: Doesn't the capital uh, fund won't that go into the 2017-2018 budget? No, no. You put it in the 2019. <clears throat> not any earlier than that. Um, <clears throat> no, it won't because um, the way it's characterized, it's not an expense. It is a contribution that we are making. A contribution is not an expense. It doesn't hit the income statement. It comes off the balance sheet. So it would, cash would be reduced by $7 million. Mm -hmm. Equity would be reduced by $7 million. Then it would sit, sit in this account at the county, and then we would go back to them and say, we have some projects we'd like to do. Can we have the $7 million back? Mm -hmm. So then equity would go up by seven, uh, Cash would go back up by seven, and then we'd spend it. Okay. All right. Now, there, there are, in addition to this, there are other places we could go to get cash to do things. That would be completely outside what we just talked about. So, first is philanthropy. <clears throat> um, we could potentially um, create a much bigger vision, uh, working with the foundation, uh, go for larger amounts of, of funds from the community. And I believe um, Deb is prepared to come to the Finance Committee next time and talk about what that might look like. Um, it would certainly probably require additional resources to do that, but um, it could have a very high return on investment. Um, another thing is we could go back to the county and say even in addition to the $7 million, there are some high-value projects to the community that, that are needed, and we don't have the ability to do on our own, would you step forward and, and fund these projects? Possible. Um, and the other thing... And the biggest example of that would be the ATR. <laughs> yeah, exactly, the ATR. There you go. Um, and then uh, we do have business partners. I think one of the great things about our strategic planning process is, is we've, you know, I think established that we're, we're not competing with, with everybody. In fact, these are our friends. They will, Everybody wants us to be successful. And um, actually, we have a lot of services that, that they value, and they potentially could step forward and fund some of these, and we shouldn't be bashful about asking for that. So there's other places we can go. All right. Yes? When you say county support, does that also include potentially support from state or federal government? Uh, I, Just, I, I didn't. I could, but yeah. Yeah. I, I don't. I don't know. It just seems that there may be thing. I'm guessing that there may be things that we might want to do, for which there might be pockets of money at the state or the federal level. So, there's Jim's hypothesis. Yeah. No. No. There certainly are a, a number of uh, sort of uh, grants and initiatives yeah. for which you know uh, CMS or uh, or the state uh, of California may put out that are around either service delivery or even you know some sort of. Uh, uh, analysis of the benefit of something that we do uh, as an organization, but those generally fall under the the, the category of sort of uh, uh, you know service-based efforts, not necessarily charitable efforts. And 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 the same is true with the county. You know, uh, we have a host of various contracts with the counties, the capitated contract for health pack, uh, some of the uh, contracts around behavioral health, some of the uh, contracts around substance abuse and individual programs. Uh, but when we talk about county support here, we're talking about for capital purposes. So, uh, I'm, and it suggests it may be a limitation of mine, but uh, I, I'm not aware of a lot of opportunities at the state and federal level to support capital 
uh, investments for organizations, even like ours, but it could be. Okay. Okay. All right. Thanks. Good. Okay. So, um, <clears throat> this is a um, dollar presentation of, quote, the plan. We've, on the next slide, we're going to talk more detail about them. So I'm going to cover the numbers, and we're going to talk about the, the details. But uh, on this plan, one of the things we've changed is we've taken the John George project and moved it from sort of below the line where alternative funding to up here. Because I, I, we know that there's a lot of sensitivity around that, and we, and we firmly believe that we've got to find a way to make that work. So what that does is it converts a $150 million plan into a $180 million plan. Um, and here's the variance by year, which actually is pretty close to the surpluses that we saw on the other um, other uh, forecast. Now, we're not recommending that we just take the surplus and do this. We really think that we should find uh, some external funding to, to do this. But um, these are essentially the projects that we think um, we really have to do. And it's kind of a balanced plan in that it's pretty close to the target year over year and in total. So um, what I'd like to do now, and we can go back and forth between these, is um, to turn this over to my uh, my friend Dave and my other friend Dave to talk about some of the, and your other brother Dave, yeah, uh, some of the uh, details. So uh, I'll ask uh, Dave Wormuth and Dave Gravin to just kind of walk through this list, starting with Dave Wormuth. Before you do that, um, can you just comment on wh why are some of these highlighted? Are these the ones that weren't initially in the plan? or? Um, well, yeah, we highlighted John George uh, because um, it's it's so important and it was below and we, we wanted to find a way to do it. And we've, we've highlighted the long-term IT plan because we knew that that could change. I mean, we're not sure exactly how much it's going to cost to do that. But that, there was no other reason, rationale than that. Okay, Dave. Everyone? So on what I'm presenting is the uh, equipment and then the Alameda, excuse me, the equipment, the Alameda Deferred Maintenance, the Facilities Level 1 and the Facilities Level 2, which is all above the line. And then if we go below the line, I'll answer some of the John Chapman questions as well. So in your package, what I've included um, right behind the IT presentation on page two. We should uh, point out that there's another um, document in front of you. And the first page is IT, and then the second page is what uh, Mr. Warmoth is talking about. So on the on page two, it shows the uh, biomed equipment planning summary sheet. And you'll see that right now I have a 2.9 uh, equipment planning, and you can see by the facility that it's broken out. What, I, what we're looking at here is equipment that's in, end of life, that I can no longer get parts for, or it's it's impacting patient safety and patient care. So if you wanted to see the details of what that equipment is, you would just flip to the next page, and you would see by site what the equipment is, and then um, how much the quantity is and the cost price. The biggest the biggest two cost on here is obviously um, I'm. I'm looking really bigly into the dental clinic. It's been very neglected over the last 15, 20 years. Um, from walking around, there's many things broken. So I'm, you know, it's end of life in there. And I'm working with Tony Mock with physician input and leadership input. And then over in Alameda, there's some critical pieces over there. But the bigger one is for the uh, uh, excuse me, for the monitoring, telemonitoring, um, to make sure we get that up and running. Um, and then San Leandro's will be done this year. 
Highland has their new one, and then Alameda will have one, and then we'll have one system for all three hospitals that will help with monitoring. And we can even centralize that one day in the future, possibly. Same yes, same product. On the uh, facilities planning, it's a little bit more uh, uh, loose, but it's very thought out, believe it or not. So on slide five, um, you'll see that I have it broken up by the needs of everything. So if you, you look at Highland, you'll see a $5.8 million need. Um, but obviously, for the budget planning, what we did was we're working with the facility ones, which if you look down there, you'll see ones equal 3.9 million, facility two needs 975,000, and then what's left over or can be deferred longer would be number three. So on this one, right, we used uh, for high priority anything that's uh, patient safety, staff safety, risk. Um, we also do a big pool with the staff. We do a, we do a call for capital where everybody puts in their capital needs and it comes back to the capital CapEx committee and we you know, look through it and see what we can do to uh, make it uh, work within our capital strategy. So that, that comes in from staff, physicians, leaders, um, and we really sort it out. Now this plan here that I have right here for the, has not been presented any further. It's really high level with my engineers and facility managers. But what I will do next is obviously after the budget gets more set, as I start meeting with the CAOs and the, and the department leaders, the physician leaders and things like that and saying, hey, you know, I got 500 bucks and this costs 250 here and this costs 350 here, you know, where can we make a deal and things like that, I'll wheel and deal. But uh, the big thing is, is that I'm trying to just keep the highest priority in front of us and if you look through this list, you may see nurse call for three different sites. And one may be a level one, one may be a level two, one may be a level three. But the good news is, is, is you know, we know we can still obtain parts. So it's not there yet, but we're getting close. Also, there's always opportunity for us when a hospital is being demoed or things are coming up, we're able to secure parts from other places. For example, Oakland Kaiser is going to be taking out their Comtel 4 and we have Comtel 4 in San Leandro, so I'm going to get a lot of parts. So we can nurse this along longer, so we don't have to rush right out and get a new nurse call. We're on like Alameda, I need a nurse call system. So that's a higher priority because we can't get anything, and it breaks frequently. But that's a higher level priority for us. So that's how we sorted this. The other thing about the facilities one is it's interactive. So if I had less money or more money, I can change the priorities and sort it, and it would tell me you know, where I am within my budget. So it's a very interactive uh, Excel spreadsheet for us. Third list, I mean, I know you've prioritized, but is everybody's wish list on this, or do you have you gone through a process of so, elimination? So it was up to date of last week, but there's probably been three or four more things that I've been hit with. But and I just added one late last night for my friend over there. So, uh, but uh, it, is, it is up to date for what we've gotten in. Dave, grab her. No, you. So, yes, but uh, it is up to date, and we do keep it live. And then, of course, priorities do change. I mean, you know, even right now with ACT, you know, there's some things that, you know, we may have forgotten or something that, you know, something that may need to be done. You know, we may have to move that to a higher priority if, you know, if we, it's not part of the scope change request. So we're working through all that stuff. So um, the good thing about facilities, Joe, is you mentioned earlier, you know, like when I first started here two years ago, I think I spent $1.2 million in capital. This year, my budget was 10. I've spent nine. 
So there's actually, it is nice to have the revenue so we can do things like that. So, and it, and it does help. And that's not all ACT spend. That's actually capital improvements in the facilities. All right. Uh, then if we're ready to talk about the first page of, your, of that handout is the IT page. And, I, and I've segmented this a little differently than Dave has into uh, areas of, of how the projects fit together. And some of these you'll see are much more specific where they get down to like $192,000 uh, or 192177 uh, Others are like 350000 right? So some of them are projects that we're projecting. We need a project to do, so we've kind of put a placeholder in for an amount that we think is most appropriate from that from what we looked at, but we haven't selected a final product or a, a, a initiated a project to do those things yet because these are next year's projects. Uh, and so you'll see they're, they're set up like that um, in these categories, security and meaningful use. Those are things that fall under things that came out of our security risk assessment that we did part of our meaningful use review uh, that we required to implement in, in response to things that were found. Secure text messaging would be one of those things, right? It was found that we know that uh, we, we while we have a policy that says no text messaging should be occurring on personal cell phones. Uh, we know that type of thing may occur, and so we need to implement a system to prevent that from happening. Uh, so th those things are about that email archiving, secure two-way textings are, are projects that fall under that meaningful use risk assessment to do that. Uh, second category there of growth, this really looks at just as our business grows, we need more disk space, we need more servers, we need more things to just handle the business as the business grows in volume. Uh, the third is just like Dave's an end of life. We've got equipment out there that is end of life that can't be repaired, no longer under warranty, uh, can't get parts, and is just beginning to fail to a point where it's better to replace it than it is to try to continue to try to to try to fix it. Um, our, our wows would be in that case. Our workstation on wheels that we're using, uh, while at Highland, those have all been uh, essentially replaced with a new ATR. At San Leandro, San Leandro and Alameda, those are um, being replaced at Alameda through a Genesis grant from the Founda Alameda Hospital Foundation, uh, but San Leandro still needs their walls replaced for that. And then the last of those categories is performance and availability, and this really gets at how do we scale our systems to work better. Um, one of the biggest complaints we get from physicians and staff is the system's just too slow, and some of that is volume related. As we get busier and the systems get bigger, things happen. As Microsoft makes software enhancements, the software takes more memory, more juice to run, and so these things are increasing our system's performance just so it runs more effectively, uh, so it's usable. And so that's what kind of fits within that category. And then um, there were special items called out on there, the Sorian Financial Rebuild. We know there's a significant amount of work we need to do with Sorian Financials to get the rest of that RCIP Dave talked about. Uh, moving that along, this project is set aside. Uh, while the EHR replacement project will be looking at, at the financial systems, uh, we can't wait three years to make an improvement in that, so this project is intended towards focusing on that. And then the EHR uh, replacement. And then uh, kind of everything with a two there in the, in the third column is the stuff that, like Dave, was stuff that we won't be getting to in the next year. Uh, that's the stuff that has been requested, but we're not prioritizing to be done in fiscal 17. So I'll stop there and see if you have questions about these or, or want more explanation. Can you go back one one slide? So just I can point this out. So trustees, what 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 um, David Warmouth was talking about uh, uh, in the equipment categories was if you look at the the top line there was equipment basic. So you see the twelve million over the four year horizon there. So he was talking about things that that fall within that category. 
he was also sharing with you the facilities, the various facilities projects. And so you see uh, sort of midway in the earlier part there, facilities level one and level two. Those are, and he told you how those uh, are prioritized within those categories. And then the ones where he said, you know, it'd be nice to get to them if we could, but subject to resource availability, if you look farther down the list, you'll see a facilities level three. That's where those things fall. And so similarly uh, for Dave Gravender, what he talked to you about, the level ones, if you look up at the top again, uh, the, the item that says IT routine, that line, that's, those are those things that he broke into the different budget uh, buckets of meaningful use, growth, end of life. And then the level twos that he has on this page, if you look down again at the bottom, you see IT enhance, uh, they fall within those buckets. So pending a strategic plan, pending additional resources, uh, we would, we would begin to get into this area, or we would be deferring them a little bit down the road. So just to kind of give you a window into how this sort of uh, slices out for us. And um, sorry, you, you wanted to? I want to talk a little bit about how these things actually get prioritized and worked on. All right. Uh, so this is, this is our proposed list as we're working through this. Uh, this hasn't been vetted yet by what we're creating as an IT steering committee. They'll come back and look at all these look at a business plan for each of them and determine should this project be in this top list or not or should something from the bottom be moved up on that. Um, so, so that work is still to be done uh, before the budget process is completed. So for both of you, is this based on the assumption that you're, you, because I can't remember what your figure, bottom line figure was, but that you're going to get an additional $10 million? Or is that... No. But this total... So this list needs to fit into what gets allocated to us through the budgeting process. So that's where prioritization becomes very important because this total is actually a little bit more than uh, what David put up there as the $4 million line for IT routine. So we need to manage this list down to the $4 million to make it fit in the budget or uh, oh, I negotiate okay, that a okay, bit to say, no, okay. we need 4.1 million. Yours and yours was? I already did that. I already put it within the $4 million for the facilities level one and the $1 million facilities two. Okay. So then is this predicated on the capital expenditures being $30 million versus $25? Yes, it is. Okay. If, 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 it was, if we decided it was $25, we'd have to take something out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. See, see uh, th that for me is, is the rub that I'm trying to process myself. And... I guess that becomes the philosophical issue, not as opposed to the. I mean, you guys know what you need. I I wouldn't know, but but the approach then is, and I've used this term before, and so pardon me, but it's the betting on the come. We do not have a five percent EBITDA. We have a three percent, and we've not been able to maintain a five percent. We've not, so it's gone like this. So. I can see how you can build something on a 5% of $25 million, mm -hmm. but I don't know. I mean, you're just betting on the come that we're going to have a 5% margin, and and so the board, you're asking the board to allocate the on the budget Correct. a $30 yes. million dollar chance. Yeah. And uh, so, so, so this is, so walk we, that if through. I can help you a little sure, bit. Sure, help so, me. Uh, and, and David, feel free to chime in here. So last year, you know, David said last year uh, the budget uh, projected a 5% EBITDA uh, target. 
uh, and with that 5%, uh, we would have been able to spend somewhere around 28 or $29 million uh, in uh, capital expenditures. Uh, we, of course, as every month when we're reporting the uh, uh, financial results of the organization for that, for that period, we're looking at what the EBITDA is, what the uh, operating margin is, and we're saying, you know, are we keeping track with what we were projecting as free cash flow to be able to uh, invest in all the projects that we now are planning to do throughout the year? What happens when you approve the budget, uh, the, ca the capital budget, along with the operating budget, is that basically starts the process of this group saying, here's the things that we're planning to do this year. We now have to talk to people to scope a project. David was talking about the list. Scope a project, get bids, do all those sorts of things before we actually sign contracts and then we execute on them. So as we're going through the year and we're looking at how the organization is uh, performing, if we sense that we're not going to be able to hit that target, then we look at that list and say, which of these projects can't be done, can't be done this year, which do need to be deferred? And that takes into consideration a host of things. Where are we in the process of initiating a project? Uh, what are, what's our ability to stop it now versus uh, uh, it's already out of the gate? And a couple of other things. So, so for example, for this year, I don't mean to interrupt, no, okay. but, but, but the, the, question, the question is still a philosophical one. You're, you're asking a board mm -hmm. member, not, I mean, they, can, they have their own mind. Sure. You're asking a board member to bet on the come, to bet that you're going to get. A, so I appreciate yeah. you're looking at it and saying, okay, let's scale back, let's move forward, etc. But nevertheless, you're asking a member yeah. to bet that you're going to get there. So, so just and to clarify, you're doing so the same I, thing with the operating budget. You, rec you recognize uh, that, You right? bet. Okay. You bet. And so what I'm saying is I haven't seen that pattern over the last few years that we have been able to reach what it is we thought we were going to get. No. So, again, these are all forecasts, and so we don't know what's going to happen until it happens, but we are adjusting accordingly. I mean, approving a budget is essentially just that. It's Well, putting together a budget certainly is, is, is exactly that as well. So we're saying here are the set of circumstances we expect to play out over the course of the year at a high level, and this is what we're going to do to sort of realize that. If it happens, then we keep moving forward. If it's better than that, then that's great. If it's worse than that, then we adjust to that as well. Right? Okay, I'll, I'll buy that. But what I see up there is pretty broad things. Mm -hmm. We're going to look at partners. We're going to um, we're going to increase our revenue. We're going. They're they're big mm -hmm. ifs. Mm -hmm. They're big ifs. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And and as a result. I worry that we're going to find ourselves back into the hole. And oh, we've so been quite conservative. Yeah. We're, 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 we're not, well. No, let, let me jump in. Yeah. I mean, yeah. That, that, that is what we're asking you to do. I mean, and you're right. We don't have a long track record. We have a, we have a one-year track record of improved performance. Um, we're showing you here what we intend to do, and we're showing you where we might have some reserves uh, for example, here there's a cushion of 4.8 million. Last year we expected to t spend 28. We're going to spend 25. But we need to demonstrate this. So when we come back with the real budget, we need to be able to convince you that we can achieve a 5% budget. We need to tell you this is how we're going to get there. And if you don't believe us, then you're, you shouldn't approve this budget. You say, no, no, you've cut it back, guys. Mm -hmm. Do something. Do something okay. more conservative. Okay. That, yeah. that helped me understand. Yeah. And, and the other thing is, we've got a little. We got a little bit of a cushion. So if we 
miss in the first year, it's not going to kill us, but we can't sustain misses year over year over year. If we miss, then we have to come back and say, you know, something, something's got to change. So, yes? This is more of a question to Yeah. Uh, so, as Dave, I, I agree. I mean, it's, it's a bet, and, you know, we're all asking to, but, you know, it's always a bet. Um, I guess the question for all of us is what do we need as a board, you know, to be convinced or feel comfortable yeah. that this is a reasonable, um, yeah. I hate to use the word bet, but it's a reasonable expectation to have. <laughs> like what, what do we need to see or what do we need to hear? Well, I, I think Dave answered the question okay. for me because what this fits into the larger piece of the bu budget. Mm -hmm. And that part is yet to come. And so you're having conversations. I, I think the difficulty for me has been that almost exclusively, with the exception of occasional uh, contracts that come before the board that show some uh, reduction in expenditures or, or better contracting where we save money, mm -hmm. I don't recall a conversation about the reduction of expenses. They've all been pretty, we've had a, a lot of conversations about the uh, attainment of revenue mm -hmm. and how we're going to get more revenue. And I just believe that it, it has to be both of those things. I just don't think you can put all your eggs in a revenue basket. Yeah. So perhaps that's part of it for me. But but you did answer the question, and so I can see now that you're planning the capital piece, this goes into the bigger piece, and I've got to wait to see when you guys come forward over the next few months how you're going to get to a 5%, because we haven't gotten to a 5%, mm. certainly since I've been on the board. Right. And right. so that's a big... Yeah. So I, I, I want to try two things uh, as sort of uh, also in, in, in response to Jim's question. Um, one is uh, I think it might be good, as I, I mentioned in the last finance committee, that we have been having discussions around addressing operating uh, um, uh, expense reductions and, and where we can uh, fix those. In addition to, so we have talked a, quite a fair amount around where we've had performance improvement in terms of you know productivity, David mentioned it tonight, uh, uh, and other sorts of engagements with uh, med assets that we did over the course of the year that are materializing uh, uh, in the remaining part of the year. But one of the ones particularly related to this that I'm thinking might be really easy to, to bring back to you is to show you. So last year, 5% EBITDA target, you know, here's here's how much we're going to spend, uh, uh, and here's a list of projects. I don't know how much detail we gave you on the projects, but we can, now what we're showing you is we've reduced that number because we recognize that, you know, we were it was looking a little tenuous whether or not we'd be able to do it, and we won't want to spend the money that we weren't going to actually bring in. So that's how we adjust. Uh, and so we could bring to you what we, you know, where we went through all the projects and said, defer this one, defer this one, defer this one, because we're not comfortable that we'll actually be able to achieve this target. So we're not going to put ourselves in a bind by spending money, even though you've approved the expenditure, uh, knowing that we can't actually generate the, or the likelihood of us being able to generate the results happening. And what I would hope, so, so then to Jim's question, I would, I would 
what would be a helpful conversation for us is to understand from you then uh, when we talk about what the margin uh, uh, that we're targeting will be and if you're uncomfortable with it when you see the plan that we're putting together to achieve that. Uh, if you were to say, okay, well, this is, even if you said, you know, it needs to be 3% because at least you have a history of producing 3%, then we're going to say that's fine. Here are the, the projects that we think we can fund within 3%, but let's say we can't even get 3%. We still have to adjust that. It's still a bet, right? So, right. Right. so what we're saying to you is, what we want to know is what degree of, of, um, of a gamble, if you will, uh, uh, would you be comfortable with along with us? And we're informing it by our perspective, and that's kind of part of what we were think, uh, sharing with you tonight to say these are the things that we are areas that we think we have opportunity to be able to achieve this to obviously, again, not to to you know maximize profit or anything like that, but to be able to invest in the things that we think really help the organization to sustain and move forward. So we're trying to do that in order to put back into the organization. Right. Whether it's through our operations or philanthropy. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's the that's that thing of what's feasible for us to be able to achieve. You know, um, going from minus one point two to three has been pretty remarkable. So you know, thank you for doing that. And I think that, at least in my mind, my understanding has been that where it comes to the revenue cycle improvement, we've plateaued out a little bit right now, that it's now a case of diminishing returns. Like we are trying, we've tried everything that we can, and maybe there are some, but we can't bet heavily on that. Like it has to be more expense reduction in some ways or the other. So it, one of the things that Dave uh, Cox, that you said that struck me was that when you said that we've uh, realize maybe two-thirds of the revenue improvement and one-third is still something that we might be able to capture. So that is news to me because I was thinking now we've done what we can, like realistically, capacity-wise for our organization. So like one-third is a lot. But let me give you an anecdote that encourages me. Um, and I point out we have done cost reductions, but I was in the hallway today and one of our... Um, preeminent orthopedic surgeon's walking by. He says, Dave, come here. Yeah, what? He says, well, I want you to know, we were looking at supplies, implants, and we find out we're paying double what we should be on orthopedic implants, and we're, we've got quotes we're going to save a million dollars a year. Wow, look at that. You know, that's being very proactive. Terrific. So it's out there. It's okay. It's... But see, well, the, key, the key word is going to, and and that's always the hard one for me. Yes, yes. That well, that's giving your, you know, if you if you give the your staff and your experts the ability to to make those recommendations, then of course you'll you'll get them, and then it's yeah. up to you to decide. But that's that's but, great. I wanted to comment. My comment was about, um, and I, you know, the, whether or not we get to three or five percent, I think kind of relates to whether or not we make some of these capital expenditures, especially, I look especially at um, at both John George expansion, John George, you know, we're not making a lot of money there, but certainly we could be losing a lot of money if we don't expand and we don't um, meet the needs of the community. But our SNF, the SNF, um, Fairmont and San Leandro and eventually Water's Edge, those types of things could really mean more to our to our bottom line. So if we can do those things, we can actually see in the next few years some more some increased revenue and you know 
the ability to do even more, I think. And that's why I'm, you know, looking to, to these projects. And, and it's, the other thing is, I wouldn't expect, and, I, and I'm, not, I'm sure, I wouldn't expect that you're going to be going, okay, it's, it's um, July 1st, we're going to start every project today, right? So you're going to move on, look at the budget, look at, um, you know, revenue to budget, look at cost to budget, and, and make decisions going down the line. And we will, these will be prioritized. And what I'd like to see would be a prioritization of these lists. You know, mm -hmm. where exactly is, is Dave Gravener going to start? Where exactly is, uh, you know, mm -hmm. everyone going to start in every department? And also, as you come back to, we, we started this last year briefly, you know, where can, can you come up with a million dollars and then buy the surgical beds with the million dollars that you save from, you know, the mm -hmm. implants or whatever. Yeah. So. Yeah. I'd be curious, um, when we projected 5% and we came out at negative 1.2, what items moved below the line that were above the line when we approved that budget? And the prior year... I don't, I don't know that that's accurate. Uh, we projected 5% last year for this year, oh, and okay. we're performing at 3 now. Well, I don't know what you projected when you got negative 1.2. Okay, that's right. Well, whatever. Yeah, there was no plan under that may not have We were just spending what we had to to, to stay in business. Uh, at 5%, I mean, there was still a big list. I mean, you know, no, yeah. e, no EHR, no, well, and then the year no San Leandro, no, no Alameda Hospital. I mean, those, there were people who wanted to start San Leandro last year, and we said, no, we can't. Start right. The moving so, rehab, rehab over to. So I guess what I mean is, like, over the past two years, I'm curious. So we were at negative 1.2. Yeah. But you're saying we we didn't project where we were going to be. I mean, no, there there was actually no planning or projecting going on. That I saw. He wasn't here when that. Was no, I know neither of you were, but yeah. I mean, I look back, I didn't see anything. Because yeah. I remember, I'm sorry, I remember being when I first came on the board, being told about this EBITDA thing. And okay. getting, getting it explained to us. Yes. So there were budgets, but I didn't yeah. see a long-term yeah. plan. But. but I really feel like this is a level of, of, of understanding that we need to have. And I, I guess my point to prioritization is whatever gets popped below the line when we don't make it, you know, and, and stays below the line. And, and like, like we need to know what, what's, yeah, what's, being what's out there that really is deferred capital that has to be spent. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. So whether, well, the, where they will fall if that happens, uh, and, and, you know, uh, point in fact, uh, it, as I said, occurred this year, it, it is within some of the buckets. So it's not, you know, it wasn't big sort of things like, like this that made it onto a list, uh, I don't think. I could be wrong, but I don't think. I think it was things within, like, you know, there were IT projects sort of like within this degree of detail. So I don't know, I mean, if you would want, you want every single project spelled out that way. Uh, but, you know, if you did, in a priori prioritization, I would say to you that evolves over the course of a year in terms of, you know, resource allocation, how quickly we can get bids out and how quickly we get responses, all that sort of stuff. So so it wouldn't necessarily, a prioritization wouldn't necessarily mean that number one will be done before number two gets done, before number three. You know, we may tackle, you know, four things at the same time and number four mm -hmm. comes to fruition faster. It's not, to, it's not necessarily as absolute or concrete a science as that. Uh, but uh, fair enough, I think it would help you to see where we have said, you know, uh, last year we were expecting to spend $4 million in IT, or maybe it was $8 million in IT, and now that number's down to 7 or that number's down to 6 or, or what, whatever it is, so you can see then what sorts of things we did defer, uh, and they would be the types of things that would be, you know, 
we would say those are really important for the organization, they're end of life, uh, but you know, they've been in the life for a year now and we just can't, we can't do anything about it. Uh, and to the point that Dave was making earlier, sometimes you know, something is in group two because yeah, it's important and it's end of life, but we can hobble along for a year and then mm-hmm. something happens and it goes kaput. You know, kaput. Yeah, and so yeah. now we need emergency capital. And so even within these, sometimes we'll take projects and say, okay, we can't do that because now this, that was not a priority before, has become a priority now. And so we have to, we're always, we're always sort of playing around with this uh, based off of what's, what's urgent, you know, what's mission critical, and what are our resources to do it. So, And, you know, I'll just... <clears throat> Sort of jump in here, you know, with one point because I think a lot of the, the questions, you know, that are being articulated by the board really go to it. I think this goes to the point that you were really sort of focusing on, Michelle, and that's what's your responsibility in terms of overseeing <clears throat> this process, and you know, what standard you know, are you applying? And in many respects, you know, we are, you know, providing, you know, ground beef, ground sausage, cumin, you know, salt, pepper, a whole lot of stuff, you know, when in fact, you know, a lot of what really sort of defines the fiduciary obligation is understanding, you know, that sausage has been made and that there's a process to get, you know, you're there from point A to point B. And so understanding, you know, the pieces that go into that, you know, what the overall process is in the rigor of that process and the consistency of that process is probably, you know, even more important than the individual pieces that come out of it. So understanding that there is a process, you know, which, you know, calls for a continuing review of these projects and pulling things back is more important in some respects, you know, than the individual pieces to get to that because you all will never have the opportunity or the time to keep up with all of that given what all of these things are. But once you understand, you know, that that process is there and how that process is operated, then that can also lead to the follow-on questions that you ask as you go over the course of time as well, too. And so, you know, in, you know, the March or the April or the June board meeting, you know, asking the question about, okay, you know, tell us, you know, what's happened with that, the, you know, the reprioritization, you know, based upon the fact that you've now, you know, reported for the last six months that we're at 3.5% your projection is for. Or you're asking the question of the CFO, you know, when we get to, you know, May, for example. Do you still think that you're going to get to 5% and have we already, you know, pushed whatever lever is necessary on the capital side to account for the fact that we now have a new projection? That, you know, and understanding, you know, that piece of it, you know, is helpful because I think, again, one of the things I think is of concern to you is how do we keep track of all of these things? And that's a real challenge. Actually, that isn't my concern. And and I appreciate you saying that because what you reflected was what I believe is the administrative responsibility. They, in fact, need to adjust and you have to monitor and look and everything because we're holding you accountable for getting to a balanced budget or the 5% or the 3%. Mm -hmm. What you're asking is a philosophical premise to say we we see evidence that you can get to a 5%. And what I'm suggesting here, and, and we're talking a bigger budget, so I know we're off a little bit on this capital, and I apologize. But the evidence for a policymaker, you have the authority, and I don't want to get into, you know, all of that kind of stuff. I think it's wise that we go through the course of the year and say, where are we relative to the bottom line? And David's very good about doing that, frankly. I think he gives us pretty good. But 
philosophically, the premise is, do we have evidence over the long term that we will be able to reach a 5%? Is there evidence to, to show that? That's what I, where I'm stuck. Uh, these things here, you guys know whether or not the machine's going to break down, whether or not, you know, what's going to, and I think Tracy's issue of, of cost avoidance and generating funds, I think all those go into an administrative decision. The philosophical decision is whether or not, to the public, I have seen evidence that we can get to a 5% based on history. So that's, I hear you. that's where I am. So one, one thing I might suggest is uh, there's, there's two ways to look at this. It could be an absolute in it or it could be a relative. So what you have seen, obviously, uh, as an end of one, is from last year to this year, year to date, uh, the the performance, the operating performance of the organization has yielded uh, roughly a three percent margin. That swing from last year to this year is a four percent swing. Um, what we're talking about now is taking a, now a new baseline and swinging it two more percent. So two half of what we were able to do this past year, recognizing that there's you know, probably limited room to grow. But what we're saying is we believe that if we hold our gains in terms of the efficiencies and all the other improvements we've made and continue to seek other forms of improvement, combination of investments and, and uh, expense management, that we can get to an even higher level and that that level is not in a, a level that even other safety net organizations in our immediate geographic vicinity have not achieved before. Uh, so, you know, you had uh, Santa Clara there, which is a pure public uh, uh, health system. You had Children's, independent now part of UC, uh, achieving that level. And, and now you have us, at least for one year, getting to a much different level than we were the year before. So, so I get that absolute. You may, I mean, I don't know if I, if I went back and found it, but my guess would be that if we found the EBITDA margin uh, from the OSPOD data for the last 10 years, it may never have been uh, 5%. But... I'd also say that it wasn't ever us either. And so I think with us, uh, I hope that what you see is evidence of uh, a commitment to manage the organization, operations, all the other pieces so that we can attain a level of balanced fiscal performance that we believe is important on a go-forward basis uh, um, uh, that you can rely on. And that is, uh, uh, gives you some degree of comfort not to bet the farm, but to say, you know, we're not, I want to be clear too, I'm not, I, if, if I put this budget forward, I wouldn't be asking for 30 million or you to gamble that I can get 30 million because it, you know, it, it feels good. I, I would be saying, I really do think that this is a reasonable level for being able to invest in what the organization needs right now and that we should be shooting for this. If I shot lower, then... You know, yes, I could still perform beyond that, but I've now set up a budget and I've started processes to only use that much. So that let's say we do do better than that and we get to the 5%, then I'm in January saying, oh, we're looking good. I can't start those projects that have been deferred right. now. And I don't That's have right. the ability to kind of just all of a sudden kick things into gear to address some of those sort of lagging things that are, are not just like nice to do, but they're things that are affecting patient care, they're affecting operating performance. So, so what we're saying is, this is what we believe we need to do. We believe we can actually achieve this, but we're going to be closely monitoring it. We'll be reporting to you, and if we need to adjust, then, then this is where we'd like to kind of 
operate around. This is a pivot to operate around versus setting it way out here or way down here where we're, where we're you know, not as strategically placed in, in either of those situations. Well, I, I'm sorry. Can go, I just make, ahead. and then I will turn to you. you. You make some compelling arguments, and there were a couple of things you said that I think really resonate, and so I will, in fact, give this much more consideration. Um, but, yeah. It's not lost on us I suppose, if, if I may, that, that because of this, the school districts, and I hate to keep up making that, we are required by law to show evidence of three years running. And if we don't, our budgets don't get approved. So we have to show to the county three years of, of a, a, a budget. And I suppose we can f finagle it just the way, you know, call it here and income. And I mean, everybody does those kinds of things. But the other question I had is, in this budget year, how much, what is the bump relative? Is it AB 85 that we've got? Yes. yes. 85. Mm -hmm. So if 85 weren't in there, where are we? So 85 is what's, what's a big part of what's helping us to think that we might actually get to 5% now. So you, you know that so far we've been reporting, what, 2.9, 2.8, somewhere at 3, 3%. That was before AB 85. That's over the course of the year, year to date. And then AB 85 comes along. And, of course, we need to make some adjustments for other things. And mm -hmm. one of those David mentioned last week. But uh, we are expecting then that with that and continued performance uh, that we'll probably be able to achieve five. But we're, we're stuck at three now. We came down to three because of how we were performing. And that's where we are. Uh, uh, on on a go forward, we have not changed that. So so that's what we're talking about now is uh, exclusive of AB eighty five. Okay. Well, Michelle, I, I, apo well, I, I want to apologize to to my colleagues because I've been you taking most of the time, and I apologize. So this will be my last, and I think Jim had his light on, and then Tracy. So I apologize that I've taken too much of your time. Um, I think one of the things um, uh, that struck me when I first became a trustee as I looked to the strategic plan is how little capital was budgeted for the long term and I looked at that and said I don't know what the answer is and I don't want to get into the weeds but that's simply not enough for an organization this size and you know I, I look at the list I listen to the tone of the description and the discussion here and you know so much of this seems to be absolutely crucial. My my concern is that, you know, you know, thirty million is this balance, but realistically, there's probably a lot more that needs to be spent. I might, you know, so we're be, we're well behind on our capital spending, and we've got a lot of catching up to do. So, I'd almost reverse the kind of reverse the discussion a little bit and say, look, you have to get 5% and you have to get 5% for a long time, maybe more, and where in tarnation are we going to get the extra to really, you know, make this, you know, to, to deliver the kind of care that we would want, that we really want to deliver to um, all of our customers around here. But, you know, I think it's just as demanding, but it's like, you've got to get it. You know, you've got to get it. So that's my philosophical Tracy. comment. Well, um, Michelle, I, 
I too worked in a, in a school district, and I this it, it occurs to me though as I try and um, in my mind figure out and differentiate it. It's like what was it called the um, the API or whatever the base rate is for every student that you get, and so you're in a in a district and. And actually, AB 85 is almost like, you know, the state, like the governor's budget. And he's saying, okay, you're going to get five more dollars per student this year. So that's that's separate. That's what our reimbursement from the state, you know, or what, what we can rely on because of our reimbursement rate. But we also have what we've done, what... Um, what Wright did was to change the system. So now it's like we have a bunch of charter schools or something in our system that we can actually get paid at a higher rate for, or we can attract different students who might have wealthier parents or whatever. So we're actually changing it so that our our we're, we're, our mix is different. Our mix of students, our mix of parents, our mix of of, um, of reimbursement rates is different. And I think that's where we're going to be able to get to this 5%. I mean, I'm, I'm, my confidence is good because... We aren't at this, at this, even if we were at negative forever, that was because it was mainly Highland Hospital and, and some federally qualified health centers and, and some grants. But now we have a large Medicare population. We have a larger and growing commercial population. And we have, you know, the new tower that's going to be attract even more of a, of a mix of, of um, higher reimbursed patients. So... I think that, that we have the basis for it. Uh, unfortunately, on the other hand, though, if we don't do these capital improvements, like I, I look at Alameda Hospital and I, and I think about the, um, the, the negotiations that we're having with commercial payers, and they're, you know, even though the patients in Alameda were not all that smart and they're saying, oh, I'm going to go to Alameda Hospital, when, you know, guess what? You could go to Alpha Base. It's a little further away and it's not on the island, but you're going to have the telemetry. You're going to have the, um, the surgical beds. You're going to have all the things that... Your doctor probably would say, mm, "If I had to, if it was my decision, I'd send you to Highland or to Alta Bates." So, if we get those things at Alameda, then we can. Then the negotiations might be a little smoother. I don't know, but we we would continue to have that that great Medicare, that lovely Medicare population that we like, that pays on time and at a fairly standard so now rate. So have choices to go to any place else. Well, now it's in their to their benefit often, not the Medicare patients, but the commercial patients, but even the Medicare patients may, you know, depending on other issues, they may decide to go to another hospital or if there's a Medicare patient who has his families in commercial, who knows what, how those decisions are made. But if we have, a, if we have high quality and high, high, um, you know, high quality services with uh, the equipment, all the state-of-the-art equipment that we need, then it's more likely that that's going to be that's going to be the choice, hopefully. Thank Thanks, Teresa. Yeah. I appreciate it. So, um, to Mike's point earlier about getting into the weeds, about everything that you're spending and above the line and below the line, I mean, I get that that, that is more administrative, and, and really we're, we're aboard our, our role, but I do think our role is to make, to have guiding principles behind mm -hmm. these decisions mm -hmm. that you make. And so, for example, I've heard about these access issues since ACMC existed, uh, and now it's AHS, and I heard about them when I first got here, and I heard about them, you know, I, at an event I was at where a, a provider or someone who runs an FQHC said, gee, you guys need to spend less money, less of your effort being in the primary care business and more on your specialty care so we can refer patients to you. Um, like, I hear that out in the, in the community. I hear patients waiting months and months for visits. So, so here's a guiding principle. 
let's increase those patient volume. So I, I think it's part of the budget process. Maybe I don't want to know that you're buying this machine and not that machine, but I need to know that the plan, and you've done a great job recovering. Okay, I mean, you've, yeah. you've done a phenomenal job even explaining this stuff to people like Thank me um, over the past couple of years. But you, you, for instance, I remember when you first came on, you wanted to, us to spend an extra few million on a contract that was going to make us more efficient and bring in more, and, and you were mm -hmm. right. Mm -hmm. I remember saying, well, why? Well, gee, if we spend 10 million, why don't we spend 20? We'll get, you know. I remember you saying that. Yeah. <laughs> but that's the sort of thing that I want to be able to hear in a, in a budget conversation uh, that you're, you're, you're applying a guiding principle of expanding access so our patients get better care and, and, and so that we're then increasing volumes. Like, like that's the sort of thing that we, we need to, you know, we yeah. need to have those dots connected, I think. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. Uh, type. Yeah, let me just say that uh, I'm very cognizant that this is a, a tough thing for the board to get behind. It's not like we're, we've been sitting there making, you know, a 10% margin forever and have, you know, $100 million in the bank. Um, it's, this is very challenging. We're doing a turnaround at the same time that we're trying to invest. So it's a very, um, <clears throat> it's a very balanced approach. Uh, it's one that's critical to have good governance. And what, I, what I've seen in the past in situations like this is it's, it's not, it's not exactly like we're asking you to trust us, but you know we're 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 presenting something that everybody recognizes is going to be a challenge. And so, what you should do is, um, if you if you can get comfortable that you think we have a plan to get to a five percent margin and then improve past that, you could get behind the plan, but then say, well, but wait a minute, we need we have to verify things. So, number one, you trust but verify. Um, so as we get into the year, obviously we want to see monthly reports. We want to know how close you are to budget. Um, anything you spend on capital over a hundred thousand, just report it to us. But anything over a million has to be approved by this board before you initiate, before you sign a contract. And when you do that, we want to check and see, you know, do we still, are we, are we hitting budget? Do we still have cash? Does, you know, is everything looking good or do we need to recalibrate? And that would give you some, you know, I think comfort and control over what happens here. Well, I think one of the supervisors thought we should do it. Like that's, please, please don't do that. That's <laughs> just, 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 <laughs> well, I just want to bring up a sort of editorial comment, I guess, about the size of the EHR replacement number here. It's kind of small and pretty delayed and that's kind of alarming to me and also that we would have to spend three million to to fix Sorian financials which were then we're gonna sunset a few years later it's uh, yeah no Sorian would be here and it's got you're gonna work. keep Sorian financials? Yeah, financials gonna be there it may, it may not be three million I don't know yeah. but we, we don't know yet okay. it's got to get fixed because it, it is gonna be the horse we ride okay so. I thought that they would no would, they don't, have to go they, they don't. Yeah. But, but th thank you, you for sure? bringing up the uh, <laughs> okay. for moving up the EHR because that struck me too. It seems smaller than numbers I had heard. And and, and you're right that it is. Uh, we so so one of the things we did not say uh, particularly about this uh, uh, plan, as as David said, it's a forecast. Um, the first year, uh, the 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 most. Uh, I was going to say most current, but the, the earliest year on the plan is the, more, the one that's most thought out and much more uh, filled in. And then a lot of things in the subsequent years sort of hinge on that as well as additional planning throughout the year. So with the EHR, for example, we have made 
allocations for it, understanding that we want it to be clear to you and to everyone else who sees this that there is still a commitment for us to do that. Uh, but a, uh, the other commitment is this long-term uh, IT plan, of which uh, we talked about recently, where we would look at the entire continuum of what we're doing and make some really uh, strategic decisions around everything that we're doing in this space, including the EHR, and that will then cause us to do resource shifts, um, um, different projections around what it is. When we do that, all those uh, all those sorts of things will become clearer as we move forward, including, and it's not just sort of left within that IT line, whether once we do that, and this is a conversation I've had with a lot of uh, the staff and the leadership, whether once we do that and those numbers pop up, you may see a lot of this other stuff go down to zero, or it may go down to something really small if that investment is really that major because, again, we have to have the bandwidth to be able to afford that. And that's why we're taking it a little bit more thoughtfully to say, here are some placeholders for it, and we know there's going to be investment there. Uh, but lest we put it all there and then everything else here says zero, uh, we're just sort of uh, plopping it out as a forecast, and then you can see how it evolves as we get more information around, around these parts. Although I would, just my gut, you know, just the numbers that I sort of have in the back, in my back of my mind for the EHR, I think it's pro my senses is probably would have a material impact on the um, margin requirements for the organization. Mm -hmm. So I just wondered, does it make sense to adjust that? I'm just asking. Well, it, it I could. I don't want to get in your shorts on this. No. <laughs> Thank you for that. Uh, no, it could. Um, it could if we didn't adjust everything else in some way that still kept us within right. uh, sort of right. the current mar margin projection. The other thing is there are placeholders here. So so you see, you know, there's a bucket that says $13 million there, and it's, it's kind of backloaded, but that says other. So that's yeah. TBD. That's a big part of it. Uh, the strategic plan piece is uh, not even limited within that. But as David has uh, described earlier, once we finish with the strategic plan and whatever sorts of uh, imperatives that come out of that may be, okay. in many cases, similar to this. Mm -hmm. in, in some cases, it may be different from this, and it may suggest that we – it, rather than sort of waiting and saying, well, we did the budget for this year already because it's going to be near the end of the budget cycle, we can say to you, <laughs> here's a strategic plan uh, you are aware of and have endorsed a capital plan that gave us a reserve, so we're going to use, you know, activate that amount for this particular purpose. Uh, or, you know, again, sort of down the road, if it were you know, EHR, there's just some room to move things around that may not necessarily be overly uh, um, um, uh, burdensome. And then with the EHR, um, when you do it, well, it depends on how you do your contract, but when you do the contracting, design, build, and other pieces, some of your costs are really not backloaded, but they come later, closer to install. So, so you know, this plan goes through 2020, but you could actually see, you know, much larger numbers beyond that. Not to suggest that these might not change, mm -hmm. but the much larger numbers could be, you know, really baked into the, to the latter part of the process when you're staffing up to get ready for that and all those other sorts of things. So. I'm going to ask a I'm going to ask a process question for the meeting. Are were there other things that you wanted? Is this was this was it? Okay. We, were, we were at Q and A. Actually, we just kept going back so you could yeah. see this. But um, this well, the then answer. let me uh, before I I ask for public comment. Um, I would like to one compliment my my fellow board members in that um, I really do think the investment of their time and understanding this has been 
has been a good commitment on their part. And learning from one another and moving this down to the old education thing helps helps the old pea brain. I appreciate that. And, I didn't mention the city. <laughs> and so I, I do feel a sense of camaraderie. But um, I hope you recognize Del Vecchio and while this was much was, I can't divulge because it was closed session, how well the board thinks of you and has the confidence in your leadership. And so a lot of what you say obviously is is moving us and giving us a very positive sense of, of you're on top of things. And there's no question, despite despite a, a little more tense financial meeting last time, David, that, that there is clear recognition that you and the staff have really been working hard to set things straight. I mean, it's clear evidence in this organization. So um, it, our job is to, you know, is to keep is to keep moving things along. But please do not leave believing that there is any question about the work and the integrity of, of the administrative staff. You. You're welcome. Um, and I'll leave that with any public comment. Okay. Then the meeting is adjourned. Thank you. Oh, no, I beg your pardon. The, I saw that. I'm sorry. Uh, the board is going to, to move into closed session, but the public, position, public portion is, is adjourned. Are we staying here yeah, and just to be clear, it's a close uh, for a conference with labor negotiator. Okay, so the uh, board met in uh, closed session and received a report uh, from uh, the chief human resources officer as required by uh, the MOU regarding intended personnel reductions, uh, and the board took no action uh, other than receiving this notice. So that's the end of the report. Meeting adjourned.